This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning and thank you for joining us on Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. This is the final episode of Psychology at Work for the year 2022. And to help us sum up the year that was in our year in review special today is, of course, Hetal Doshi, my favourite organisational psychologist and CEO of OSYC. Uh, Hetal, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Audrey. So, Hetal, um, it's not going to be easy to sum up the year that was 2022, but we're going to be talking about workforce trends in particular you know, and how 2022 saw the nation's workforce and, and the world at large, really, move from the great resignation to quiet quitting and finally moonlighting. And it's not exactly organic the way this is this has uh, happened, but it's very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, started out with a great resignation and there was like a huge, um, you know, buzz around that. And I think that um, really triggered something called the cohort effect. And the cohort effect is when an entire population, you know, typically because of social media, an entire population can experience everyone's um, similar life-changing events happening at the exact same time. Mm. Um, things like World War, Great Depression, but also things that, uh, you know, that you can parallel to the cohort effect. But this time around, because of social media, the cohort effect is experienced not only as a point of message in the news that you read, but also visuals and real time, right? Like, so, for example, um, you know, there was one particular guy who quit his job in a retail uh, outfit and he made an announcement. His final announcement in that retail outfit was him leaving and he posted that real time on social media and the cohort effect, meaning the entire cohort that is watching that, uh, ends up having a transference whereby they then begin to start having that concept in their mind as a point of reflection to Mm. consider the fragile uh, nature of the workplace and humanity in it as well. So I think the great resignation was one of those big things that impacted the entire cohort that was at home, working from home, uh, full access to the internet. And that led to contemplative ideas about, hey, why am I working this hard? Why am I killing myself? Why am I going above and beyond? Um, Am I more than just my job? Yeah, Um, and that led to quiet quitting, right? Yeah, I think that's that's what really happened over there. And, you know, when we did video calls on Zoom or MS Teams, like, are people there or are they not there? Um, and there were so many people in our client side where uh, clients only realized that they actually had employees that they didn't know before about uh, once they started coming back to work. They're like, where did these people go missing during that period of time? Quiet quitting is also a very interesting phenomenon. Um, but it's also existed before. It You know, it existed as um, something called work to rule, which is a job action that, um, you know, where employees actually do the minimum required by the rules of their contract or their job. And in China, um, they also call it lying flat. Mm. Um, lying flat was, um, you know, it's a promise to release from the crush of life and work in a very, very fast paced society where competition is unrelenting. Um, but, you know, in you know, maybe I shouldn't talk so much about China, right? Okay, so anyway, <laughs> so Lion Flat Movement calls upon young workers and professionals who are the engine of this domestic um, uh, technological boom to opt out of this struggle. 
Uh, but you've got like the likes of Jack Ma who advocate a severe culture of overtime work potentially uh, that became known as the 996 um, culture. The 996 culture would be like basically you work from 9am to 9pm six days a week. And they also added a new thing to it, which was the 996 ICU, which was because of the 996, people end up in the ICU. My gosh. Um, yeah. And so I think quiet quitting has always been around uh, for anyone who's felt dissatisfied or had an existential moment of what's the point? Mm. What's the point of going above and beyond? And then how did we come to moonlighting? Because it feels like everyone, you know, it was the big quit and then it was the act your wage. And then it came to, let's all do a little bit of something on the side. So how yeah. did that come about? So moonlighting is a term used to the, for the practice of taking up a second job or multiple other work assignments while being on a full-time job. Yeah, It's not like several part-time jobs. It's one full-time job and then several other assignments that you're taking up for economic purposes. Um, this one also has been around in the history of humanity. Um, and um, I think the linkage actually comes back down to what do I really, really want? Mm. Um, human, humanity, right, based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, all want to self-actualize. And I think as generations go by, we are moving away from just basic needs like food, uh, Wi-Fi, Mm -hmm. um, social connections. We actually want to self-actualize. And so therefore, we want to make sure that we are not dissatisfied in the way that we are operating and we want to experience more satisfaction and motivation. Um, an interesting part of this came, came about from, from a psychologist called Frederick Herzberg. Um, and he was born in the 19, I think 1923. He became famous for a motivation hygiene theory, which I think can explain all of these three concepts very, very clearly. Mm. Um, it is not that human beings only want to be satisfied. Therefore, moonlighting, I'm able to get a lot more things out of my life, opportunities, growth, money. It is not only a motivation that people are going for. It is also hygiene, meaning I don't only want satisfaction, I also do not want dissatisfaction. And these are two different parts of our brain. I think a lot of us think of it as just satisfaction, but actually it's not just I want to be satisfied. It's also as much as I want to be satisfied, I don't want to be dissatisfied. And that means I don't want to experience things like poor supervision, you know, not able to negotiate, difficulties in like, you know, policies that are not flexible, all of these things. And so um, I think Herzberg, you know, now almost a century later, coming back strongly um, and taking front lead to talk about um, people are constantly contemplating. I don't want bad things in my life. And at the same time, I want good things in my life. And so therefore, what does it mean? Therefore, you know, maybe I should just quit my job. Maybe I should do the least. Maybe I should take on more. Uh, but these all lead up to, to me, I think, great resignation, quiet quitting, moonlighting, are a buffet of options that people can take. Mm. It may not be a, a you know, absolute linkage, but it's definitely a buffet of things that people are considering. And these are not the only three considerations. There's so many other things like entrepreneurship, startups, or completely taking time off like sabbaticals. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know, Hitel, that you guys, whenever these things come up, you guys will dive deep into it and, you know, see if there are risks and like trends in this space. So what are the trends that OSIC is, is seeing in this space? So one of the things that, um, that ISO 45003, which is a global standard 
that came up during the pandemic. And it focuses on psychosocial aspects in the workplace and it comes from a safety perspective, meaning how do we keep workplaces and employees safe from a psychological perspective and psychosocial, meaning relational perspective rather than just physical safety. Mm. And so one of the things that we we started doing uh, thanks to the pandemic was we started doing benchmarking studies uh, for two parameters and beyond, but two specific parameters which is psychosocial risk. What are the risks that people are experiencing in the workplace? How can we actually understand this, not from an opinion perspective and not from a mass perspective? We don't want to follow a trend. We don't understand your trend. Mm. Um, so we looked at psychosocial risk. What are the risk factors? And second, we looked at what people are doing well in, which is called psychological well-being. Um, super interesting stuff, Audrey. Um, we looked at a data set of close to about 1,000 in Malaysia. And in terms of risk, We'll be really, really surprised to know that actually the lowest risk is meaning of work, social support and possibilities of development. In our study, it shows that people actually find meaning in their work. Maybe maybe we assess the wrong population, but they love their jobs. And I think we were t- I was talking to you before we got on this as well. And there are things that you're doing above and beyond because they're things that you love. Yes. So it seems that um, only 28% with very, very low risk um, in fact, one of the best things that's happening is that people actually love their jobs. They are already going for jobs that they find meaning towards. And people are actually being supported in the workplace. So I'm sure there are there are pockets where they don't feel support in the workplace. But I think the data that we have, and it's not our opinion, shows that supervisors are doing their quality of leadership is not not so good. Mm. But people are supportive. So maybe people get irritated that their leaders don't have high quality and they're not doing their, you know, they're not being smart enough, strategic enough. But they're definitely trying to, as much as possible, be supportive. And lastly, uh, the lowest risk is the possibilities of development. If I want to, there are spaces that I can develop into. These are the lowest of risks. So I think we can put a rest and we can put that, uh, you know, into a graveyard for now because we still keep bringing this up all the time. Mm. People don't find meaning them nonsense they do and there's enough support and there's lots of possibilities for development the world needs a lot more development uh, the top three risks which are very interesting in our study is that tempo and workplace meaning people are burning out because by the time they sleep they still haven't completed the work that they are supposed to do mm. and i think this is a matter of killing killing work rather than taking on more work and i think people are not killing work we're just doing work and taking on more the second thing would be influence at work, meaning people, even though we are very noisy on social media, we are not actually having those conversations to the right people at the right time in the right context. And so influence at work is impacted, meaning I am struggling, but I'm not having enough competence and courage to have these conversations that because supervisors can be quite supportive, potentially if you have those conversations, there could be something good that comes out of it, but it's not happening. Yeah. So everyone's talking to Twitter and not their boss. They should be talking to their boss, right? Yeah, so it's a challenge for bosses to <laughs> become a platform like Twitter, right? Like, all right, come, listen. and But also not just listen, right? Like, let's both, um, and psychological safety talks about not only safety, but let's create a safe environment so that we can both be brave. The last thing that you want to do is keep a workplace safe. Um, you know, it is the benchmark for us to be brave. It is not yeah. just about safety. The third thing, Audrey, that has come up very significantly is this notion of marching towards justice and respect. So maybe it's not even freedom that people are going towards, you know, because work-life conflict is not a major issue anymore in our data. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not about marching towards freedom. I want freedom because it doesn't seem to be a huge issue. It is about justice and respect. So 
Um, I think very sensitive people or people who have very high levels of, uh, you know, principles, they get really, really upset when they, you know, experience injustice and disrespect. And that comes from a place of, I don't have a voice. My voice is not being heard. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a trifecta. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not happy. I'm not going to speak up. I feel disrespected. I continue to be unhappy. Yeah. Uh, so I think the major space that we can all play in is how do we have these conversations that are not only you know a platform of safety but ultimately bravery for everybody to move towards higher levels of justice, respect, uh, and potentially competence as well. Right. Okay, we are going to take a quick break for some messages, but when we come back, we'll discuss the next phase of work as we transition into 2023 and what that means for organizations and the workforce at large. All that and more happening on Resource Center. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Being first matters. BFM 89.9. You are listening to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj, organizational psychologist and CEO of Osyke. Hetel Doshi is online with me today uh, for our year in review special on psychology at work. And of course, uh, and we are of course discussing how the workforce transitioned from the great resignation to quiet quitting to moonlighting all in 2022. Uh, now, Hetel, uh, I, I know that we've been discussing so much about what's, what's happened this year, but let's, let's take a look forward. You know, I want to know, uh, you know, what are the predictions for the future um, in this space? You know, we've seen like the workforce move through all these uh, different concepts, but, but what's next? What's on the horizon here? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Audrey, the fact that you said it all in one year, right, just talks about how it's not a wave, it's like a tidal wave, right? Yeah. Uh, it's shaken not just one country, but the entire world. Three three phenomena all in one, one particular year. All right, so I think in terms of predictions, uh, when we have done trending, uh, we look at demographic cuts. Uh, we're looking at females being more at risk as time goes by. Uh, females are more at risk, but also have lower levels of well-being. And so... Um, you know, and this is a significant, significant difference between males and females. So whatever work that companies have been doing to support female agenda, um, I think is really going to bear fruit soon. And I'm glad that organizations have already embarked on that. And those organizations that are not embarking and supporting females or the female agenda are probably going to see a lot more women coming out of the workforce and deciding to do something a little bit more unique to be able to support, unfortunately, the heavier emotional burden of caretaking. Um, mm. Of course, this is a conversation that we should be having from a marital perspective and that, um, you know, equality of, of responsibility should, should shift at some point in time. But from our data, females are more at risk. Second of all, um, age groups uh, are more at risk the younger they are. So the ones who are 18 to close to 35 are more at risk. And so therefore, targeted programs, targeted conversations for those between the ages 18 to 35 can have significant value. Um, even though the 18 to 35-year-old crew are very, very vocal on media platforms, from our study on psychological safety, they are the ones who are speaking up the least, they are the ones who are learning the least, they are the ones who are contributing the least, and they are the ones who are challenging the least. Mm -hmm. However, 
they seem to have that competence and that capability online. It's very good. Like you said earlier, it's very good that organizations become their own Twitter platform and we can use all of these conversations to create uh, learning opportunities, contribution opportunities and challenging because they are the ones who are going to be uh, they are literally the ones who are going to be shaping the future of the organization. Yeah. So may as well start now. Yeah. Um, also, with the younger ones, um, the older, sorry, with age group, the older ones are in a very good space according to our data. They are very close to the smiley space, which is low risk and high well-being. You know, you want least of risk and highs of well-being. And so there's a huge missed opportunity for wisdom of the crowd to take place, meaning the younger ones are going through multiple life stages compounding at the same time and they have not yet experienced success in it. For example, I'm getting married. I'm going to have my first job. I'm going to um, you know, take on my first promotion. First of many's, but not an experience of success. And there could be huge opportunities of mentoring and reverse mentoring so that they feel supported in the process and that they feel that they want to respect the elders all over again because right now there is lack of respect of the older generation or... Um, or uh, leaders in hierarchical positions. So I think there's a huge opportunity for respect to be redistributed based on wisdom and based on you know just some level of uh, data-drivenness. There's some value that other people are bringing to them in the workplace. Job levels, those that are in lower job levels like uh, are at um, risk as well. So say, for example, the hospitality industry, the waiters, or in the construction industry, the construction workers, those at job, job, lower job levels and lower pay grades are seriously contemplating why not I sell goreng pisang? Mm. Why do I need to do this in an organization? I could probably make a lot more if I'm doing something on my own. Or why do I not go back to my country? Malaysia, for example, pay grade not that good or the, the currency not that good. Why don't I go back to Indonesia? So anyone that is at a lower job grade and lower job level are also at risk. And the problem is that we absolutely need them in order, and they are the largest group in the organization, to get all of the, you know, the bread and butter stuff done. So um, I'm glad that this is, I mean, I'm not so glad, but if you look at Australia, there is a minimum wage, and this minimum wage is a very good minimum wage, and I think mm. that, that is where it should, you know, where we really need to reconsider so that people find value in doing that and staying in it. Um, one thing that is interesting as a prediction is that Although we think about it as culture like Malaysia, Germany, Australia, or we think about it as an organization like IBM, Google, whatever not, it is no longer a one team, one dream, meaning um, it is no longer a trend that is occurring across a country or across a, an organization. What we are finding is that there are many teams with many dreams. When we look at their departments or divisions, we find that different departments have different types of experiences. And so teams are very important. I think the prediction or what I imagine of the future is that we look at teams rather than making blanket statements. So uh, teaming will be quite important. Different departments, different teams have different experiences and have to be looked after differently as well. Um, and of course, across different sectors. So um, I think the future would be looking at the trends of the past. Resignation rates will be highest according to the demographics that we spoke about below. Uh, the trend will continue to be that um, that there would be, it would be an employee's market, not an employer's market. Mm. So it's important to have um, a lot of humility back in that. And lastly, there is a huge fight for increase in negative liberties. Negative liberties are basically a kind of freedom where we do not want 
any kind of obstacles or interference by other people. So thanks for the job offer, but please don't give me drama and stop interfering in my life. Amen. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I thank you and I sign a contract, but please, no extra drama, no extra obstacles. This contract has to be based on fairness and justice and equality. Yeah. Um, so employers who have uh, employees who are going above and beyond, please note that they should be well, well, well compensated, rewarded, uh, promoted and beyond for it. Mm. Now, Hetel, just to sum up, um, do you have any advice, um, not just for organizations and employers, but for the workforce in general, you know, as an employee, uh, any advice as we uh, look ahead to 2023 and, and what's yeah. to come? I will always go with Spice Girls. Uh, what is it that you really, really want? What, what do you really, really, really want? Uh, I think when you deeply understand what it is that you really want, then focus on what it is that you can control and what is within your power. Even if there are people leaving, that's fine. We've had organizations where lots and lots of people decided that they're going to leave at the same time. But what's within your power and control is not about those who leave, but about how to make people want to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing would be not only what it is that you really want, bring it back into your control, but think about the ecosystem, not the ego system. Yeah, it can be really upsetting when you are when you have an aspiration in your life, both from an organizational or individual level. But you're not the only one that exists in the world. You are part of an ecosystem. And if you set the ecosystem up for success, the ecosystem is going to want to set you up for success. And that can be from an individual, a team or organizational perspective. Think about what you really want. Bring as much control and power back. Make sure that it's about the ecosystem, ecosystem and not the ecosystem. And lastly, if I can really, really hit the nail on the head, as everything begins to collapse, everything around us, like, you know, um, ideologies, philosophies, structures, policies begins to collapse. We are all left with only one thing, which is conversation, because we do not know how to operate in this world. So I really, really plead and hope and beg that we have one and a half months left in this year that we all get upskilled in how to have the next best conversation that creates not only an opportunity for us to feel safe to talk about it, but to be brave and create the next best thing for the ecosystem as well. Um, and with that, yeah, I think that would be that would be my big advice. Right. So talk to your boss, not to Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I think talk to the right person based on what it is that you really, really want, because sometimes maybe your boss might not be the right person, but why not? You know, give it a go. All right. Hey, Till, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us again. We wish you all the best in 2023. You will be back uh, for our first episode of 2023, you know, and what will we be talking about then, you know, to kick off the year? Um, you know, I think we're supposed to be talking about goals, but I'd rather talk about dreams. So we'll talk about um, how do we convert goals into dreams and how do we make it really enjoyable? Um Sounds and we like to talk about a psycho- psychoanalytic approach to it. So that'll be kind of, I-, I think that we kind of interesting. All right. Thank you so much for that. And for more uh, information, where can everyone reach out to you? How can they reach out to you, Hetel? Um, please do send us a message on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me at Hetel Doshi or do check us out on our website, www.o-psych.com. Yeah, and if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the brand new BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. And don't forget to join us same time next week as we look back at how human capital was impacted in 2022 in our Year in Review special on Resource Centre. Till then, this is Audrey Raj signing off for Enterprise BFM 89.9. 
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.